Welcome to Soundtrack Your Life, a podcast about soundtracks, music, and movies. Each episode features a guest and focuses on a specific soundtrack and the personal stories connected to it. Now here's your host, Ryan Pack. So I'm Ryan Pack, and this is Soundtrack Your Life. Uh, we'd like to thank you for listening wherever you are in the world. Today, our guest is Andres from the Latin Jukebox podcast. Welcome to Soundtrack Your Life. Well, thank you very much, Ryan. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. It's an honor to be here, part of the show, and to talk a little bit about the Colombian culture, the Colombian traditions, and of course, Encanto. Yeah, so uh, for our listeners who haven't heard the Latin Jukebox, uh, why don't you tell them a little bit about it? Perfect. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's a good question. Basically, uh, I'm a Latin boy. I'm just a Colombian guy who wants to show to the world the common, the, the music that it's involving all of us what music has in common because music is a lovely universal language so everything that has to do with music it's coming into my show and of course if it has to do with arts with movies then somehow it involves music as well so as a latin jukebox we just play everything we just talk about everything but we're very very focused on music if you're ever curious to to, to listen to the show, you can find us in all the platforms available, you know, GoodPods, Podchaser, all the different platforms, Spotify, well, there are plenty. And if you ever want to contact me or ask a question or just say hi, just check in, dive in at uh, Rocola del Rolo in Twitter and at Latin Jukebox underscore in Instagram. That's so far what we have, but uh, more things are going to come soon for sure. And like you uh, mentioned, we're going to talk about the 2021 Jared Bush and Byron Howard animated film Encanto. Yeah, yeah, pleasure. Um, when it was announced, I couldn't believe it. It was very surprising that a movie could actually be part of that Hollywood scene talking about specifically the beauty of Colombia. And, well, it's unfortunate because Colombia, of course, has a negative side that involves a lot of corruption, a lot of drugs. And the world, if you ask and people around the world about Colombia, they will relate Colombia to narcos, to uh, drug dealing, to corruption. But Encanto shows the face that I like the most about Colombia, which is the people, the customs, the landscapes, the food, the weather, the traditions, all that is making Colombia a beautiful country as it is. Of course, it has its problems as every single country in the world, but we also have in Colombia very beautiful things that we like to to show to the world 
just to make them make the world forget about that negative past or history or even present because you know sometimes it can be mixed yeah and i was surprised that the movie was taking place in colombia and not because uh i don't know i you know disney usually likes to make a magical worlds but in this case uh specifically in colombia and it was very intentional um after doing some research you know the filmmakers went to colombia to research the areas that they wanted to kind of animate and you know they did a lot of they paid a lot of attention to the detail of colombia in this movie absolutely they made a very good research about what to show from the colombian culture and also involving colombian artists colombian actors colombian musicians colombian like artists in general so when they bring all that tradition and all that culture into the movie it makes it magical it makes it magical and i am going to be biased in the whole episode in this whole episode because i'm colombian but there will be a point in this episode where i'm going to talk a bit about the things that i probably think could have made a little bit better the experience of Encanto. But for now, Encanto, like it's like I am proud of the movie. I'm proud of what it shows and it reflects exactly the Colombian culture. So if you watched the movie and you didn't know anything about it and they didn't mention Colombia in the movie, would you be able to say, hey, I think that's I think they're in Colombia. Yes, yes, especially because of the, well, some specific words, some specific food that they show, the landscapes, the structure of the, of what they call casita, which is the, the house of the madrigals. Those things make the, the flavor of the movie taste uh, very Colombian, very Colombian. And so the music was done by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who, at least, you know, I think most people know him from Hamilton. Uh, how familiar were you, were you with his music before seeing this movie? Very good question. Um, to be honest, not too much. I did my research after the movie was released because, well, knowing the fact that he was the composer for movies like Moana, it means that he has a, a, a background in the Disney landscape. So yes, the guy knows what he's doing. Yes, the guy is also Latin. And he knows how to mix the, well, the lyrics with the context and with the, the scenes. When the music started to sound uh, in the movie, Yes, I liked it, but I honestly didn't think that it was going to be such a huge impact as it was. I never I never thought about it. I never expected We Don't Talk About Bruno to be number one in the Billboard Hot 100. I never thought about it. When you hear it, it's, to me, <laughs> and I still think about it, it's a simple song. Like, it's not, it's a Disney song. But... Right. 
uh, well, it went to number one in the Billboard Hot 100 for a lot of weeks, and it was surprising for everyone. So the guy knows what he's doing. The guy knows uh, the drill. And, well, not only surprised, but also happy for the result. I think he made a very good job. So I saw a video interview with him where he said that he tried to incorporate a lot of musical styles and instruments that are native to Colombia. Did you notice those in the songs? Mm, not in the 100% of the songs. There are songs that are played by Carlos Vives, which is a Colombian artist, very popular. And the sound really mixes the Colombian um, music like what's behind the Colombian music. On the other side, we have Dos Oruguitas, played by Sebastián Yatra, another very popular Colombian artist. And when you hear the song, it's a ballad. It's a ballad song. But when you see the performance in the Oscars, mm -hmm. you see how this couple that were they were dancing they were showing all the Colombian traditions, the, the customs, the, the, the way they were dressed, the dancing, all that. When you look at it, you see that's the culture. That's Colombian culture. Maybe when you hear the song, it's not that clear because it's a ballad and a ballad, it's a ballad anywhere in the world. But when you see the, the people dancing, you you feel it you you feel that's my culture and also when with the song of um carlos vives uh, i guess the name of the song is colombia mi encanto something like that that song when you play it that's the sound of colombia like colombia has a lot of sounds has has a diversity of sounds but when you hear that song you like it's a good approach to what the music, the Colombian music sounds like. So it I would say 50-50 because the other 50% is the songs, are the songs that sound a lot like a normal Disney song. It's like in Coco, when, when you hear the songs, you can relate them to, to, to normal Disney songs. But then some other songs, they include a bit of mariachi, a bit of uh, that Mexican culture and Mexican tradition. So I guess they tried to balance it just because they, of course, they want to show and they want to expose the culture, but they don't want to overwhelm the people. Like they don't want to saturate the people with all the songs being from the culture. So they tried to balance it, I guess. Right. He's kind of famous for that anyways. You know, he's taking pop culture elements, whether it's like hip hop or, you know, R&B and kind of blending it. That's why Hamilton was such a, such a success. It was, you know, this, um, you know, it's historical and it, but it incorporates all this hip hop. And that's why, you know, he's a household name in America, even though, you know, he's a guy who writes musicals. So I feel like he did that a lot in, in this movie. And, you know, so he pulls in some um, Latin elements. Uh, he's Puerto Rican, so he's not Colombian. Mm -hmm. No, he's not Colombian. That's right. He's Puerto but, Rican. But, you know, 
he does uh, incorporate a lot of like I feel like Latin pop elements into the movie. Absolutely, absolutely, and now that you mention it, he's from Puerto Rico and he's cousin of a very famous artist in Latin America, which is Rene from uh, Residente, and he was former. The, the former leader of Calle 13, which is a very popular band. So he has he has a very good background in terms of what the what to show and what to expose in terms of the of the cultures. I think he's well versed and he he knows how to combine the context of the movies with the with the songs that he wants to bring into the movies. And I think he did that also for Tick Tick Boom, I guess that's the name. Yep, yep. So same thing. Same thing. So it's wonderful what he does is wonderful. He's very talented in what he does, so well deserved. And yeah. Yeah, I, I'm really excited that Disney has all these different interviews and featurettes behind the movie where you can learn so much about it. Um, so he actually took a trip to Colombia with the directors and they were scouting locations and getting more familiar with the culture. Um, and I think he says that in, you know, the first song, the family Madrigal mm-hmm. uh, near, near the end where uh, Stephanie Beatriz, his character, Maribel, you know, the, you know, they, they shot Mirabel and then she starts kind of rapping. He says, um, I think in the interview, he says that he, that, but usually, instead of being a person's voice rapping, it would be like horns. But he replaced <laughs> it with with vocals, which is a really cool touch. Absolutely, and that, you know, probably something that people wouldn't think of. No, exactly. That's the things that he brings to to the movie. Like that, th- those are the things that he. Those are the ideas that refreshes the the movie at some uh, point, right? Yeah, it's very cool. So, and also. Um, I believe they went to, I have it in my notes. <laughs> they went to the Cocora Valley. Yeah, the Cocora Valley. That's in the um, heart of Colombia. Like that's, mm, that's the zone where coffee grows for the most part. It's a very popular zone. It's warm, but it's not super hot. And it's not uh, cold. The weather there is fantastic. It's a beautiful zone full of mountains, full of coffee growers, um, farmers, like people from the town who actually dress very Colombian, like very traditionally, in a very traditional way. So, and Cocora Valley, if you look at the pictures of Cocora Valley, it's it has a lot of palms, a lot of palms. So that's also reflected in the movie, and it's a one of the one of Colombia's beauties is the Cocora Valley. If people are interested in going to Colombia at some point, Cocora Valley is something you can't miss for sure. Yeah, it looks like they tried to stay away from like the big cities of Colombia. Mm. Um, wh- where did you grow up again? You were Bogota. In Bogota. Bogota. Yeah. Absolutely, and I would stay away from that as well. Like uh, I, I would totally agree with that. Bogota, Bogota, Medellin, Cali, 
those are very crowded cities, Barranquilla. Those are very crowded cities. And the people that kind of know Colombia, they would normally go to those cities. Like they were not, they would normally mm, mention those cities in their speech. Bogota is the capital city, Medellin, uh, because of the weather, because of uh, the artists that are from there, J Balvin, Carol G, all these artists are coming from there, Maluma, all these artists are going from are coming from here. Um, then we have Barranquilla, every time the Colombian soccer um, team plays in Colombia is in Barranquilla, so they know Barranquilla, they know Cali because Cali is from the Pacific coast. So they all like people that know Colombia, they all tend to mention these places very often, but they never mention Cocora Valley because that's like a hidden gem. That's something that we call a hidden gem. It's something that if a tourist goes to Colombia, he would probably miss it until you know it. Because when you know it, it's a very beautiful place to be, not only because of the valley, but also because of the culture, also because of the food, the wonderful coffee, and of course, the weather. Since I've never actually visited Colombia, it looks beautiful. I didn't realize that it was based off of a real place. Totally, totally. It, when and and that's when I was saying that I could be biased because when I look from the immigrant perspective, from the perspective of a person that is not living in Colombia anymore, and you watch the movie in theaters in another country, it feel it makes you feel proud. It makes you feel like, oh wow, that's my country. That's Colombia. And of course, it hides all the problems that are happening in Colombia. But that's what we want to do. Like, as immigrants, we want to show the world that Colombia is not a bad country. Like, it, it, it has problems because, of course, it's a third world country, uh, like, developing and trying to to survive in, in, in South America. But... The beauty of Colombia is something that we always try to highlight. The culture, the people, when you talk to people, friendly people, the music, very happy music. So we always try to add a little bit of joy to everyone's um, to everyone's uh, mood or everyone's thoughts, right? So yeah. Uh, that's totally appreciated, and, and and when it comes to a to a person like me who is an immigrant and l watch that movie, oh my god, tears comes to my eyes. Like it's, I'm proud to be Colombian after, not well, not only after watching the movie, but watching the movie makes you feel like very like warmer, even warmer. Sure, yeah, and Encanto is not a documentary about Colombia. <laughs> exactly, it's just this. Yeah, you know, it's just a movie that takes place there, so it's not like they need to show the bad sides of Colombia. Though, I they do show that flashback, which shows, um, I believe that was kind of in reference to the thousand is a thousand day war. 
Yeah, well, it was older than that. It was when, um, uh, well, back in the back in time, there used to be um, conservatives and liberals, and they were fighting for political reasons, and those political reasons led some um, for like armed groups and like probably not legal groups to to grow and to to start revolutions where the political where, where all the politicians cannot have visibility to so guerrillas grew up there and obviously if we talk about the FARC if we talk about ELN all those guerrillas were born because of that political instability and also the easiness or the the easy way to to move drug between Colombia and Mexico and USA because Colombia is a very good spot because it has the Atlantic Ocean and it has the Pacific Ocean so it's geographically strategic for drug cartels and these illegal um, organizations are financed by drug cartels most times so those drug cartels and those illegal illegal organizations they were born under a very unstable uh, political situation and that's what they want to show and reflect in the first five to ten minutes of the movie there's a lot of background on that but yes that's that's kind of that's a bit the dark side of of colombia yeah i didn't really think of the geographic location of colombia being so strategic that's learn that's what i like about this podcast i learned so many new things <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's very interesting how, and also Mexico, because Mexico is so big, there are these illegal organizations working in Colombia illegally, of course, transferring a drug from Colombia to Mexico so they could distribute it to the United States. So it's kind of unfortunate. Yes, we produce it. Mexico sells it and then North America consumes it that's more, more or less the 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 chain i would say it's coffee but in an illegal way <laughs> <laughs> i didn't we were, i didn't know we were going to be talking so much about drugs and in, in an episode about encanto <laughs> oh no 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 and and that's not the intention i would like uh everyone that hears this episode to know that Colombia is beautiful. It's a beautiful, it's, it's very beautiful. The landscapes and the weather and the food and the people and the culture and the music, you fall in love with Colombia when you go there. I was there, I had the chance to be there again in December. And when you go from a tourist perspective, because right now I'm, I'm 
I'm not living there, I'm living in Canada. So when you go from a tourist perspective, you feel what a beautiful place this is. It's not the place to live because of many reasons, but if you're going to visit it, don't miss it. It's it's a beautiful country. Beautiful. Yeah, and in the movie, I believe the everything from like the clothing to the food, like that's all representative of Colombian culture, right? Absolutely. Coffee, arepas, um, everything. All the all the food that is there is describing the the Colombia gastronomy. <laughs> So what are some of your favorite songs from the soundtrack? Well, from the soundtrack, when I first heard it, We Don't Talk About Bruno was not of my favorite ones. I, Well, to me, it was a normal uh, song. But then when it hit, when it reached what it reached, I started to fall in love with it. So it was more like a consequence of being number one. But... A direct impact I had was with uh, Dos Oruguitas. Dos Oruguitas has a beautiful message inside. And Sebastián Yatra, which is the artist, uh, which is the, the singer playing the song, he's the kind of artist that can bring a ballad and next week brings reggaeton. He's, he tries to bring different sounds uh, in his music. Dos Oruguitas is one of those movies that made me uh, like fall in love with the soundtrack. When you hear the message, the, I know it's in Spanish, but Dos Oruguitas is basically, uh, well, when you translate it to English, is uh, two caterpillars, two little caterpillars. And it's the story of how those two caterpillars start um, like developing themselves to become uh, butterflies and to fly, right? So it's it's an evolution. So they it's showing how how we can keep up, how we can grow, how how we can uh, evolve despite the difficulties. So beautiful song, and um, if you wanna learn a bit of Spanish, that's a very good song to, to, to learn because it's so soft. The, the words are very easy to listen. It's a ballad, so it's very straightforward. And the message behind is very, very uh, clear and very positive. It's very positive. Yeah, and I believe, at least on Spotify, there's an English version of the song as well. But I much prefer the Spanish version. The Spanish version is uh, the one that was more popular, and of course, like there are quite a few songs there. The the one from Carlos Vives is, is a very motivational song. It talks basically about Colombia, uh, the beauty of Colombia in general. So Carlos Vives is another good one. It's a more uh, more moody in terms of the, the the sound. It's not a ballad. So it's it has more traditional sounds, but but the message is also very beautiful and it's very uh, Colombia oriented. 
Yeah, so I was listening to, I believe, a podcast called Switched on Pop, and they kind of break down the songwriting of songs. And then obviously when Bruno went to number one, they covered that. And so the piano at the beginning of Bruno, that's a very Colombian style, like it's a Colombian dance music sort of style, is that correct? Yeah, 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 for sure. Like we try to combine different uh, instruments and different sounds in the in different compositions and different um, songs. Uh, that's that's what Colombian artists do all the time, and that's why you have Maluma, which is a very popular uh, reggaeton. Reggaeton is it's like urban; it's an urban sound from Latin America, and basically, though he's the kind of artist that can jump from reggaeton to salsa, and from salsa to ballads. And that's what makes the Colombian artist so complete because he can jump on very different styles in one disc or in one uh, long play or CD or album. Yeah, and I feel like that song jumps around to different genres too. Like um, the Dolores little rap part in the middle, like that's obviously not <laughs> traditional. That's much more of a pop sort of thing. But I believe the um, actress who played Dolores, I, I believe she's also a reggaeton singer. Uh, is that Mauro Castillo? Because Mauro Castillo is a salsa singer. He's very popular in Colombia as well. He used to play for Grupo Nietzsche. Grupo Nietzsche is, uh, is probably the most popular salsa band in Colombia. And well, I was talking about Adasa. Oh, Adasa. Mm, I think I think so, yes, but uh, she's not that popular. Of course, the movie gave uh, Adasa the the chance to show her, like all the music and all the style that uh, she had to bring. But um, but in terms of popularity, I would say uh, well maybe she needs to 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 develop a little bit more of the music to the world of her music to the world for sure but maro castillo who is felix he he's um as you were saying he's pretty popular yes he is uh, he's the one that um well he used to play for grupo nietzsche grupo nietzsche probably the most popular salsa band uh, in colombia and then he went solo after, well, a few years playing and singing for uh, the Grupo Nietzsche. So he went solo and he's uh, he's successful. He's successful. And then we have Carolina Gaitan. Uh, Carolina Gaitan is, she's not, she wasn't a singer, but she was popular because she was she was a popular she is a popular actress and she became even more popular she made a soap opera about um how do i call it like a traditional band called las hermanitas calle and las hermanitas calle they were a couple of sisters that sang uh, and they were from a town mostly the region where Encanto was uh, 
created. But then after that soap opera, she became a, an actress and a singer. And now she sings and she's doing pretty well. Well, she was uh, very successful uh, with all her interpretations in um, Encanto. Yeah, her performance at the Oscar where they all came out to sing um, We Don't Talk About Bruno. She was so great at being dramatic, you know, and those intense eyes. Absolutely. She knows how to do it because uh, she's she wasn't or she's she's still an actress. She's an actress as well. So she has this power and, and this very good ways to express all the all her emotions in a very theatrical way, but singing, which makes her so complete. Yeah, and she's also uh, from Colombia, right? She's Colombian. She's Colombian as well. She actually she released a single a few um, a few weeks ago. She's she kept singing and she kept doing things very well. So she's one of those uh, very popular and talented artists in the Colombian scene right now, not because of her music, because she's still like growing in the musical landscape, but for sure she's one of the most important actresses in Colombia. Yeah, so I think when the movie came out, um, I think they were talking about how it's like the first Disney movie with an all Latino cast, but it looks like a lot of the cast is actually has ties to Colombia. Yeah, yeah, it, they found a way to 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 get Colombian talent and that talks very well about their research. When they did the research, they thought about that as well. Like who could be the best Colombian talent to interpret X or Y character. Actually, now that now that I talk about Maluma in the Spanish version, I think Maluma played one of the characters in the movie. And not also him, John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo is Bruno, actually. And yep. John Leguizamo, he's Colombian. And he's probably one of the most important Colombian actors in Hollywood. Yeah, I think probably the two most famous are probably him and Sofia Vergara, yeah, right? exactly. I was going to mention that as well. Like, him... He uh, with Sofia Vergara are probably the two most popular actors co from Colombia in Hollywood. Talking about actors, because if we talk about singers, then the list would be very, very uh, like full of artists like Shakira, for example. Well, why don't you name five Colombian like singers that people would know? They may not know that they're Colombian, but, you know, that people would know about. Oh, yeah, for sure. Shakira is one of them. Shakira is probably the, the most important artist worldwide from Colombia. Right. Um, everyone knows who Shakira is. If Shakira is going to have a show in Thailand or Hong Kong or China, Everyone would know her. So that's that would be my first one. Then I would go with the reggaeton ones, which are J Balvin, Maluma, mm -hmm. 
probably Carol G, which is growing a lot. Um, and well, at this point, I would think about Sebastian Yatra and Carlos Vives, which are very popular as well. So there are quite a few artists from Colombia that are making a very good word about the talent outside. Yeah, and you know, Shakira co-headlined the Super Bowl halftime show with uh, Jennifer Lopez a few years ago, and people loved that show. It was fantastic, and again, I can't be biased. That's one of the <laughs> when people ask me like, "What was your favorite halftime show?" I think I like the one with Shakira and J Lo was my favorite, but I I'm biased there because I'm I'm <laughs> Colombian, right? But yes, it it was such a pride to, 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 to see her on such a fantastic show with J-Lo, which is another monster. So it's it was huge. It was huge. So uh, Mirabel is played by Stephanie Beatrice. Um, I, so I'm a big fan of hers from uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that show. Oh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Yeah. Well, no, not really, but... Uh... Is it a series or a... Uh, it's a comedy, actually. Oh, is it? Very cool. So that's kind of what people mostly know her for. But in the show, she uses a much different voice than she uses in Encanto. And in Encanto, this is actually like her normal speaking voice. And it looks like that. Like, it's it's funny. I was uh, I was reading that the main character, which is played by her, it's the first okay let, let me phrase this well it's the first character on a disney movie played by a female that has glasses so that was a fun fact because i was telling to myself okay um when i when i was watching the movie it was like okay maybe the representation of uh mirabel madrigal is not exactly how a Colombian um, woman or girl would look. Like if if you ask me, like probably the the ways or or the way they they made the drawings for the movie, I would say they don't represent a hundred percent the Colombian uh, race, the Colombian kin. So that that cocked a little bit my attention, but yes, when when you hear the the voice, you see okay, there's a Latin, there's a Latin accent here, and that's cool. That was so cool. I believe the design of Mirabel was based off uh, like a consultant that they were working with in Colombia that was kind of touring them around and they kind of took a little bit of the look for Mirabel from from that consultant which I think is interesting probably probably that was the main reason is our, what are some of the other aspects of the film that you think they could have done better to to represent Colombia well um, talking about the physical aspect of the characters I think uh, yes but there are some characters that are very good, like um, 
um, the all the black ones, even the kid, we have a strong black culture in Colombia, mostly represented by the Pacific um, region, right? So yes, that part was good. The movie was very good, but if I'm coming from another culture, let's say uh, if I'm an American uh, person, a North, North American person, and I, and I watch the movie, I would think it's probably not the best movie because the movie lacks of a bad guy. There's no, there's no representation of, of a bad guy, which is something that happens in, in a normal Disney movie. In a normal Disney movie, you have a bad guy and you have the good guys. And I think that's that's the normal thing. But in this movie, everything went so um, so good. Like the, the evil was not evil. The bad one who was supposed to be Bruno at some point, and he turns out not to be the bad guy. So there, Abuela's not the bad guy either. Yeah, no, there, there, there's no evil. There's no, and I feel the the movie lacks a little bit of that traction, a little bit of that action uh, piece that all the Disney movie, all the Disney movies have, right? Right. Especially coming from a Colombia uh, representation, I feel they could have drawn a bit of. The, of the dark of the dark side of Colombia without being too deep but i guess again and just to make an excuse here maybe they did it because they wanted to show the beauty of Colombia that's the reason sure. why they did it so yes and no yes the movie lacks of a bad guy but it lacks for of a of a bad guy for a reason there's a reason for that yeah, I thought the candle might end up being like the bad guy or, you know, some sort of magic from the bad exactly. guy. Exactly. They didn't want to show like um, a specific group or a person because they were probably, they, they didn't want to represent a culture or a specific um, region to be the bad, to be the bad ones, right? So that's probably why. Mm, other than that, I feel the movie. No, the movie in general, I liked it. It was very beautiful to watch it from an immigrant perspective. I'm so proud of the movie. I'm so proud of what I saw. It represents Colombia in a lot of ways. So, yes. Yeah, and I think for me, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was great that they. You know, they paint this beautiful picture of this dysfunctional family in Colombia. And that's another thing. And you you make a good point here. In Colombia, probably not now, but traditionally, especially in those regions, the families are numerous. Like they have like the amount of people in a family from that region is traditionally big. We're talking about more than four uh, sons or daughters or there's a lot probably not now 
because now uh, everything has changed in, in an economic perspective. But traditionally, Colombian families are big, especially from those regions. Okay. And of course, they try to to show or they try to represent for each character one specific one specific power. So so when it comes to this kind of representations, they try to make it very, very broad. They want to show the good things, not, also, not only about the culture, but also about the people. They show the strong sister because they want to show that Colombian women are strong. And I take it. That's, that's so true. That represents the culture. They want to show the sister that is beautiful because traditionally Colombian women are beautiful. They want to show... In each character, they try to show a bit of what the Colombian culture has to show. They're all friendly. If you see the people in the small ville, in the small town, um, they are very friendly. They're always willing to help. They're always there to support. And that's Colombia. In Colombia, we're all like that. We try to help. We try to encourage. We try to support. We're all. We're always putting something to help a person in need. That's what we try to do, always. Yeah, yeah I was going to ask about you know the relationship between the family and the townspeople. You know, they don't have a huge role in the movie, but you know, I, I enjoyed the scenes where you know they're trying to help out around the town. And that's a reflection of the people around those small towns because in those small towns everyone knows everyone it, it it's so small that it only has one church it only has one uh, police station so everyone knows where to find everything and there's always someone willing to help so that's another cool thing that the movie shows and that's and it's probably not so visual and not so it's probably something that doesn't come very easy but when you think about it yes it reflects also the culture of the people in Colombia and of course in those small towns where people are very supportive they try to do their best for the for for their brother or their sister or not even family related like people from their own town like they want to really do that extra mile yeah that's cool so um let's uh let's talk about the other hit song from the soundtrack surface pressure how do you feel about that song well surface pressure that's that's a wonderful one i think from my perspective, it's a bit underrated. I feel it deserved a little bit more of recognition, a little bit more of um, 
showing off, but it's a very good like it's it's a very good um, tune, a very good song, and of course it's part of the movie. So it that the the representation and how the song was played, it's wonderful. Yeah, I like the production on the song. I know that some of the other songs kind of have more of like a just a Disney feel, but that song kind of stands out as, you know, it has a very modern pop sound. It's very catchy. It's very catchy. That's why I say to me if if I were to put a song as a number 1 in the Billboard Hot 100, I would have not chosen We Don't Talk About Bruno because there are a lot more songs that are very, very wonderful in the movie. The fact that We Don't Talk About Bruno came to number one and the fact that it's sung by Colombian artists like Carolina Gaitan, Mauro Castillo, that makes me feel proud. But if I see it from other perspective i feel other songs probably deserved better recognition like this one yeah i mean i really like this song um but as far as we don't talk about bruno goes um so i have a i have a (laughs) three-year-old and when she's out with her friends you just hear like a bunch of like kids saying it was my wedding day oh wow (laughs) and you know it's because of that song and you know, they don't care about the Billboard charts. They don't care no. about what people are saying on Twitter. They're just kids, and they all love that song. They keep playing it, and, and the fact that it involves different characters, I think for the kids, it's very catchy. It's very, uh, it involves a lot of um, scripts. Like People can play different, like children can play different uh, roles in if they want to uh, represent the song somehow. So I feel the song, like, there must be a very good reason for We Don't Talk About Bruno to reach number one, the Billboard Hot 100. I don't think it was a lucky thing. I don't think it was paid. I don't think it was something that came out of nowhere. I think it has a reason, and I think if it was like that, it's well-deserved. But what I what I just wanted to highlight is that Probably other songs deserved some similar luck. But yes, for children, like children, they just find a song and they just put it on repeat and they play until they learn it by heart. Yep. <laughs> yeah. My my daughter will do it with other people, you know. So you sing the Peppa part and she'll do the Felix part and they, the kids love exactly. that. Exactly. It's like a role play that children love. And that's not common to see in in a song that has that su- kind of success. Yeah. And, you know, I think as far as like Disney songs in the past that have become really popular, they usually have kind of more of a traditional song structure like Let It Go or you know, a whole new world from, from Aladdin. This is one where you have a bunch of different people singing all over each other. And then the song kind of like changes, um, you know, there's not a lot of pop songs where they just yell time for dinner in the middle of the song. Yeah, exactly. You see, that's the thing. 
yeah, when when you talk about songs like Let It Go or yeah, uh, A Whole New World, Beauty and the Beast, those are very, um, I would say, traditional and normal songs because they are played by one artist. It has one bridge, one chorus, two, uh, two or three different parts of the song, and that's it. We don't talk about Bruno, it's different. We don't talk about Bruno has that and also has different roles for different people and has different um, situations during the song. So it's a very good combination. I don't want to say that we don't talk about Bruno doesn't deserve the place it gained. If they won that place in the world it's for a reason and i think part of the reasons is because it combines a lot of elements that a normal song wouldn't combine so i think it's probably uh like overrated but i think that overrating is because of a reason it's not something they just took out of the pocket right but were you but you, you seemed kind of bummed that it didn't get nominated for the oscar oh yeah I, <laughs> it's funny because when i watched the oscars i was with my wife and and then part of the reasons we watched it was because we don't talk about bruno was going to be played in the show and Dos Oruguitas was going to be played in the show and Encanto was nominated for best animated film and it won we didn't expect that the Will Smith show uh, kind of <laughs> erases all the beauty behind everything yeah. else yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it just erased uh, the, the whole thing but but I like to see how the Colombian culture was represented in the Oscars. Like it was, to me, it was another reason to be proud of how the Oscars, how the organization decided to play two songs from Encanto into their gala. And Sebastián Yatra showed the culture, the Colombian culture, with the people dancing, with the dresses they had. And we don't talk about Bruno, of course. If you, I was, I need to be honest here. I'm a, I'm the Latin jukebox and I love Latin music as a whole. I love Luis Fonsi and I really like Becky G. They are wonderful. But I think, I honestly think that that performance could have been done by the original artists of the song rather than bringing Luis Fonsi and Carol G to end or to finish the song. To me, that was something that I would have not put them there. I'm not saying Luis Fonsi and Carol G didn't deserve 
that place. Of course they do. They are top of the charts artists, but they have their place in another songs. They could have let the original artists to play the whole song. That's what I think it should have happened. And to me, oh, yeah, it was a bit of, of a turnoff, honestly. And again, nothing against Luis Fonsi, nothing against Becky G. Those two artists are part of my playlists. But in this specific occasion, I just feel it was better to bring the whole complete singers, the whole complete cast of the of the song. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because it kind of feels like they're just getting started and all these people are coming in. And then all, and the song just shifts and you're like, oh, I guess they're done. And that's why um, Stephanie Beatrice, who's Mirabelle, who, you know, we don't get to her part. So that's why, you know, they let her go thunder. Yeah. And, you know, she gets to sing a couple lines in the song, but it's because, you know, they're not going to let them finish the song. So I, I agree with you there. Although my daughter loves watching that performance. It's, just, it's all she wants to watch. Oh, yes, of course. Like... In the end, kids, they don't care who sings the song. They just listen to the song. And if it's something they enjoy, they don't care if it's Luis Fonsi, if it's Becky G, if it's um, Carolina Gaitan, if it's Mauro Castillo. They don't care. What they just care is the song. They just care about the song. And I think that's the part that matters, that matters in the end, like how children enjoy the song. Yeah, I I might I might disagree with that slightly, but that's for a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Not my daughter's very picky, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could spend hours talking about those performances. And but anyway, like the song and the soundtrack and the cast and the whole movie, I feel it was it was very beautiful to see the Colombian culture reflected in a movie that was that that's the most important takeaway of the movie from the immigrant perspective from my immigrant perspective that is why representation is important oh yeah for sure for sure totally unexpected i never thought that was going to happen and when you go to hollywood movies that try to show colombia they show it in a very um Unaccurate way. If you go to films like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I think the first part, they show Colombia as a jungle. Colombia is not a jungle. Of course, we have the Amazonas. Amazonas is there, of course. But for the most part, Colombia is not a jungle. And we watched a movie a while ago um now i don't remember the name but it was with uh penelope cruz and these five female agents um, the beginning of the movie was based in colombia supposedly and but to me it it lacks a little bit of 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 the context if you want to see colombia uh, like not Colombia, but Bogota, Bogota. There is a movie with um, Mark. 
Wahlberg, I guess. Uh, and the Walking Dead um, actress who plays... Um, uh, I don't remember her name. But uh, the, I think the movie is called Mile 22. And if you see, if you watch yeah. the movie, the whole movie was filmed in Bogota. They never say it. And okay. if you see the license plates of the cars, and if you see the signs, they will never, like, you don't think it's Bogota, but it's there. It's, it's, it was filmed in Bogota. And that's an action movie. I recommend it just if you're curious to see how Bogota looks like. Because for the most part, it was filmed in, in, in Bogota. Oh, very cool. All right. So, um, well, thank you, Andres, for being on the podcast. No, thank you. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate the invitation. Uh, totally humbled and honored to be here to talk about Encanto, about the Colombian culture, about what it represents, and also try to leave the bias aside and talk a little bit about the hard times and the and the the things that I think could have been better for the movie. Yeah, I mean, I feel like as someone who uh, was born and raised in Colombia, you're you're the person that should be able to have those opinions. <laughs> no, thank you very much for the invitation. And again, I I feel very very happy about the movie, and I feel very and I feel very very happy to be here part of of this episode part of the show humbled and very very happy well i'm glad you i'm glad you came on um if people want to check out latin jukebox how often do you put out episodes yeah we are releasing episodes every two weeks Mm. and every season I, i the latin jukebox is meant to be 10 episodes per season and then between season and season, there is uh, normally a break of one month or so. But um, we try to release episodes every two weeks. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, and, you know, so if you want to get in contact with Andres, you can find him on Twitter and Instagram. And what is your Twitter handle? Yeah, for sure. Uh, in, in Twitter, you can find me uh, using at Rocola del Rolo. Sounds a little bit hard to to say, but it's uh, the pronunciation is R O C K D E L R O L O at Rocola del Rolo, and then in Instagram at Latin Jukebox underscore. And we'll put those handles in our show notes as well. Um, well, thank you once again. And uh, if you want to check us out on Instagram, we're at Soundtrack Cast, and on Twitter at Soundtrack underscore Your. If you want to contact us in the socials. So, um, yeah, thank you once again. And uh, hopefully we'll do this again soon. For sure. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And thank you very much for the invitation. Looking forward to meeting you at the Latin Joke Box soon as well. Yeah, let's make that happen. That's for sure. Let's plan. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us this week on Soundtrack Your Life. Make sure to visit our website, SoundtrackYourLife.net, where you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too.